0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog.
1: What's good, everyone? We made it. It's Friday. Everybody's getting ready for the weekend, driving in your car on the way to work. You're feeling hyped. You're like, yes, i want to get this day done, and then I'm going to go hit the bar, or I'm going to go home and fire up the grill. I don't know what you're doing. If you are working the weekend, then I'm sorry I just rubbed that in a little bit, but you know you probably had a day off in the week to make up for it. Happy Friday, Celtics fans. As usual, I'm joined by Mr. Will Weir. We're going to be diving into something very special today. and I want to give Will the credit because he hit me up with this idea like, hey, Ad, I think we need to look at this from this perspective. So Will, what are we diving into today, bro?
0: Yeah, man. First off, happy Friday, everybody. Happy to be back here double dipping this week with my guy, Adam. So this is a, this is a big week here. A lot of, hopefully y'all don't mind me, uh, me coming through your, your speakers here twice in one week. But big weekend, man. Second, second Hall of Fame enshrinement within the last couple of months. KG a couple of months ago. Paul Pierce going in this weekend. Paul Pierce is a guy that, you know, for, for you and I, you know, we're about the same age. Anyone that's listening that that's roughly in your, you know, late 20s to mid 30s, Paul Pierce is a very influential Celtic in our lifetime. And so I thought it was only appropriate that we we take a moment, we take a podcast, and we, we kind of honor the moments of of Paul Pierce as he goes into the Hall of Fame this weekend. So what I told Adam I think we should do is we're going to go through and actually give our top five individual Paul Pierce moments throughout his career. And we're going to kind of kick it back and forth and, and just, you know, just just give Paul his due. This, this is his time to get his flowers. So we're going to give him the respect the truth deserves.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. And I want to premise this or preface this by saying, like, there's a period of Paul Pierce's early career where I wasn't being privy to consistent basketball, right? Like the league, league pass wasn't really out. And when it was, it was quite buggy still. Um so there's a, an area of time where I'd catch Paul Pierce games, but it'd be when the TV wanted to show me Paul Pierce games, I couldn't go out and find them. Uh, so a lot of my memories do come from like 2007 onwards when League Pass was like worth the money within itself. So, so if you're wondering why I don't have anything post 2000 pre 2007 in my um in my memory bank, it's because basically I read about those games, but I didn't see them. And seeing them is what gives you that memory. Reading them just gives you and understanding so just to pre- i just wanted to preface that before i got anybody yeah
0: it's, it's i told adam it's all good young will was chilling at the fleet center watching some of these games if y'all remember the fleet center before it was the td garden in between the two garden names it was the fleet center back in the day growing up so uh, i told adam i'd have him covered on those pre-2007 moments
1: yeah, that's it, man. Living the life in Boston, here's me like, oh man, I was just, I was in somewhere cold, wet, and windy, but it wasn't Boston, so I feel. Like <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Worry the about weather that. was the
0: same. We we yeah. love talking about the weather on this show. This is this yeah. is like we like ten percent of our shows are just always about the weather. But yeah, it, the, the weather was the same, just a different location.
1: Just a different location, man. You have better coffee too, so I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> So uh, let's jump into it, man. I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be fun. Before we jump in, for anybody that doesn't know, these episodes are now going up directly onto YouTube. So if you'd rather watch instead of listen, you can do so. If you prefer to listen, you have that option too. Um, The YouTube link is just Adam Taylor MBA, and then you know you can find the videos there. They do go up around about the same time as we release the show. I usually ask this at the end of the show, but today I'm going to ask it at the beginning of the show. Please, please, please leave that five-star written review. Like, it has such an impact on the show um, in terms of visibility and, and discover pages. It has. It's like a brand recognition thing. That I don't know about everybody else listening, but when I go on to listen to a podcast, one of the first things I do is check the ratings and I make sure that I'm going to enjoy the experience. So that if, you, if you are in a position to leave a rating, if you're using an Apple device, please consider doing so. If you're not, then, as I say at the end of every episode, that word of mouth helps a bunch. You know, whether it's your waiter, your best friend, your girlfriend's, uncle's, auntie, twice removed, second cousin. I don't care where it's coming from, but, like, uh, that helps us out, too. Like, the best form of advertising is word of mouth, and it like, we, for me personally, like, that would mean a bunch to me if I knew that people were enjoying the show enough to recommend it to other people. I just wanted to do that at the beginning, just to switch it up a little bit. And I don't know if all of you people are listening at the end of the show. So why not just trying <laughs> to, you know, we'll see. Right then, let's jump into this Paul Pierce memories, man. So we're gonna, I, I've got these in no particular order. I, I, like, I didn't want to order them because I feel like there's so many great Paul Pierce moments. Putting some in like, this was my fifth favorite. Like this is my yeah. fourth favorite.
0: Yeah, like I didn't I rank them either. We just want yeah. to enjoy them for what they are.
1: Exactly. So I'll tell, I'll admit, like, um, the memories I do have are very much like very specific moments of the game, whether a dunk or a step back or a, um, a three point shot in someone's face. I remember the game, it happened, but I don't always remember the year. Like, I watch a lot of basketball, man. And these kind of <laughs> bleed into one another. So um, I did go back and make sure that I referenced the year for these as well. So I'm gonna start in 2006, and I think this is an obvious one. It was a 50-point career high against LeBron and the Cavs. And it, uh, for me, like the reason I like that one, this is LeBron, man. At this point in time, everyone's already dubbed him the king before he's done anything worthy of being the king. And um, mm-hmm. you know, it set the tone for all those future battles between mm-hmm. Pierce and LeBron. And I think that those battles are something that's very underrated and not spoke about enough within, like. Not just Boston media, but NBA media as itself. Like LeBron and Pierce went to work against each other a bunch of times and they were always a battle. And LeBron struggled to contain him on numerous occasions, man. I think people yeah. felt that when people talk about Paul Pierce, they fail to remember that the guy they want to class as the GOAT or the second greatest of all time had some serious problems trying to deal with the truth. So that 50 point game uh, for me is one of my favorite Paul Pierce memories.
0: Yeah, man. Speaking the truth about the truth here. You know what I mean? Like LeBron, when you look at LeBron's career, I feel like a lot of times the narrative is that LeBron never really had a a true rival. And to a certain degree, I I understand the sentiment because a lot of the early part of his career was, you know, when are him and Kobe going to meet in the finals? And it it came pretty close in 2009. But there was kind of a lead up to, to, to that being the closest thing to a rivalry. But really, if you look at the beginning of LeBron James's career up until about 2012, if you're really trying to find who his rival was, the answer is Paul Pierce. Like you can deny it all you want, but that's that's the answer to that question. And, you know, Paul Pierce was a problem for LeBron James. LeBron certainly overcame that in, you know, 2012. And I think that has really propelled us to the last decade plus of the LeBron that we see today. But just like we talked about with, you know, or, or as we see with teams, And them having to go through, you know, the the um, the Bulls having to go through the Pistons, the Pistons having to go through the Celtics, then the Bulls having to go through the Pistons and having a certain team you have to overcome to then go ahead and and leave your mark. Players have that same type of thing. And, you know, for LeBron, it was Paul, you know, And, and I know when you look at the hierarchy of all time players, like you said, LeBron's arguably the GOAT or in the top two, three conversation. Paul's not going to be in that same quite stature, but this man is a legit bad. I almost swore right there. So I'm gonna hold it up. But, (laughs) but this, this man is legit. He is a first ballot hall of famer. He is a top 50 all time guy. Like this isn't no slouch we're talking about. So, I do think that's a little, you know, underrepresented—the the real rivalry that existed between LeBron and Paul Pierce, especially in those first, you know, eight years of LeBron's career or so. So I love that pick from you, Adam.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, like you say, you definitely you always have that that hump to overcome. I think it's the same in any um, any walk of life. There's always somebody that's um, been doing something longer than you that you, or, and they're better at it than you, or they're just more nuanced in the way they approach things because they have that experience and it takes a while to at least get on their level to start elevating yourself above whether that's in work whether it's in whatever it may be and yeah i completely agree that. so that's my first pick what have you got as yours
0: all right man i'm throwing this back all the way to the very beginning i'm gonna go with opening night Paul Pierce's first game as a rookie against the Toronto Raptors inside what I believe was still the Fleet Center at this point. Uh, It was Paul Pierce versus Vince Carter, who was also drafted that same year. This was in the 19, it was technically 98, 99, but it was 99 lockout season. So I I think it might have been right the tail end of 1998 when this game took place. And for me, what I really remember is that, you know, I was, I can't remember how old I was at that time, but, you know, 10 years old, whatever. Uh, I, I didn't know a ton about. Paul Pierce at the time but leading up to that game uh, a college team that I always really liked was the North Carolina Tar Heels which is where Vince Carter had just come from so admittedly you know while I was already excited for the Celtics because I had started to to get on board with this young team that they were building around Antoine Walker at the time I didn't really know what to expect out of Paul Pierce but I was really excited to watch Vince Carter and what I left away walking away from that game with was was the hope that like you know Paul Pierce was something else for the Celtics to build on. This was going to be someone that could be a guy. And, you know, combined with the rookie season that Antoine Walker was coming off, we now had what looked to be the the forming of a foundation that could really embrace the city. Because if you think about the way that the Larry Bird era with the Celtics ended, and then to the time that we got to Antoine and Paul bringing the Celtics back to relevance, it's a disaster within that 10-year period. I mean, it is brutal. Like, the, the fact that we're Celtics fans, and that was a big part of our formative years of, as a child, trying to gravitate to what team we're going to root for, and we sat through, you know, the, the Todd Day, Dino Raja, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of D. Brown, whoever else. There's a lot of names you can Brown. go through. You know, there's a lot of names that you can go through, and, you know, it, it was just a really tough watch. And so when Pierce finally came around and really made a statement throughout his rookie year, which the tone was set that very first night, it's a big reason why, you know, I do what I do today and why the Celtics are one of my favorite teams. And it begins that night. So for me, that's one of the first memories that I'll always have of Paul Pierce, him going up against Vince Carter and, uh, and you know, eventually two Hall of Famers really squaring off in their first ever NBA games. It's just something that, that has always stuck with me throughout Paul's career.
1: I mean, you threw it right back to before, to like when dial-up internet was a the thing. There was no chance I was seeing these games unless they were. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will yeah. say though, that one of the biggest reasons, and I said this um, on something that will be coming out in a few days on um, on a website, I think it's on Celtic's blog. Actually, one of the biggest reasons I went for the Celtics back then, when like we did only get one game a week, I've told this story many times. Um, the, one of the biggest reasons I went for the Celtics was because they sucked. Yeah. Uh, Everyone was walking around in Lakers. And everyone wanted to be a Lakers fan. Everyone wanted to be a Bulls fan. Some people wanted to be the Pistons because they wanted to be different. But the Pistons were still good at that point, or they were kind of at the tail end of being good. I was like, no, nah, I want to be, the, I want to be the Celtics fan, man. they suck right now. I want to be, the, I want to because I want to ride through that and experience the highs when they come. Do You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what I didn't get to experience that game. And to be honest with you, I don't actually think I've seen that game. If I'm being honest. Um, I love me some Vince Carter. I love me some Paul Same. Pierce. Like um Vince Carter was one of the first guys that really got me into like the dunk contest or having to like so things like that. Like I was still a casual fan back then anyway. Like um I'm kind of I might go back and see if I can pull that up off the archives on YouTube and watch that. It's a it's a
0: it's a little grainy, but I recommend going ahead and uh, oh, yeah, giving, it
1: giving it a view. Me. Dude, that's authentic, that's what that is. But,
0: but you know what's beautiful about it? Another Hall of Famer will be in that video. His beautiful voice, All Mike right. Gorman, still gonna be on the still gonna be on the call.
1: Love me some Mike Gorman. You can, everyone, you, can, you get to hear him every time you tune into this podcast. How <laughs> you not love some Mike Gorman? Shout can out you know to know our guy guys? Mike. I think another one that got me was um, I think it was 2010 against the Knicks, and this is more of a, like a specific bucket that got me, and it was very much like he's um, he's come out of the sidelines out of bounds play. Ball's going into Paul Pierce's hands. I think there's like 13 seconds left, or something like that. It it might have been more. I just remember Paul Pierce curling across the top of the perimeter and then driving hard on Stoudemire, and then literally just stopping on a dime and then just draining this like fade away step backy two. It was very much like I'm off balance and I just need to shoot, but he made it look so smooth and uh. It ended up being, if I remember correctly, I may be wrong here, but I think it ended up being the game winner because somebody missed on the other side of the floor. I think it, it might have been Stadermeyer.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this, is this the one where then, uh, as he's celebrating, kind of doing the airplane across the across the garden and Nate Robinson jumps on Paul Pierce's back and then kind of slides off? Is this the same one that, were, that we're talking about here?
1: Yeah, it might be. It might be. So, All I, I think... remember is just going crazy at how quickly Paul Pierce just stopped on that dime and just... Rose up and it was just like, whew, That's a yeah. bad man because like when you've got someone um, Staudemire size on you, trying to sh- shaking that guy is not an easy task. Yeah, and that was
0: and that was part of that rejuvenated yeah. garden that they had for you know for a couple years stretch where you know Staudemire and I think Mello was already there or he was on his way. One of the two, I can't really remember. I think Mello was um, I, I think it was right after Mello had gotten there, and so that was like, i I know exactly the game you're talking about. I remember the energy to that game had a very different feel and you know we grew up like I said the 90s Celtics not very good 90s Knicks very good and like the the, the the electricity of watching the NBA on NBC with those Pat Ewing, Allen Houston, LaTrell Sprewell teams was like okay I get why people are Knicks fans like this is this is pretty electric and it really hadn't been there in a long long time and then had a brief moment between Linsanity, Sanity, Mello, and Stoudemire, where you got to feel that you know electricity through the TV again. And that game was one where you know I I, I remember it just as vividly as you do. And um and yeah, that's that's yeah, certainly a Paul Pierce game. I,
1: all I remember from that game is that one bucket. Like so, like I don't know if you're like me, like when you when you think back to games from like four, five, six, seven years ago. Obviously, you're not going to remember every possession, but I, I very vividly remember very specific buckets or very specific moments. Like, um, I don't know, we like you know that Tatum pass that I mentioned the other day, where he kind of caught it going out of bounds and flipped it behind his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against the Lakers, this past year. Yeah, exactly. Five years time, I won't be able to tell you that was against the Lakers, <laughs> but I'll be able to tell you that that was what about the play and where, and where exactly where I was when I watched it. So that's just the way my mind works. It, it captures very specific sections, but like the, the team it was against to me isn't that important. Like I'm just like yo, unless obviously it's a game winning. Like if you drop yeah. a dagger, if you <laughs> a dagger against the Lakers, I'm remembering that. But like uh, that one specific pull up, I was just like man because it was it was just beautiful. I'm kind of sad that I can't really watch that anymore. <laughs> no,
0: that's a great moment, man. That's a, that's a good pick for number two. Um, all right, let me let me jump into mine here. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep mine like I said. I want I want to give you a little bit of room here with with post 07. So I'm gonna keep a f- first few of mine uh, pre 07 here. And th- this is a Paul Pierce memory. It's kind of a team memory, but this is where he really cemented himself as as the guy in the Celtics early on. And the fourth quarter comeback against the then New Jersey Nets in the 01 02 conference finals largest fourth quarter comeback in playoff history believe that still stands to this day um one of my favorite moments and one of my favorite teams and really the year that Paul cemented himself as I am going to be a Celtic mainstay I'm going to be a Celtic legend this is my team you know there was him like I said him and Twan were kind of up and coming all-stars at the same time this is where it became very clear Paul's the one Twan's the two we'll kind of figure it out from there. And and they were really ahead of their time. And I I really do think there's some strong comparisons between Twan and Paul and what we have with the Jays right now, from the sense of two young guys becoming all stars, you know, Becoming men, let's be real, you know, these are all 23, 24 year olds that we're talking about. Still trying to just figure their lives out, never mind leading a basketball team with all of this pressure and all of these dumb podcasters like ourselves <laughs> who are coming in saying they should do this or that. Like, they're just trying to figure this stuff out, man. So I think there's a lot of strong parallels between the two and that fourth quarter comeback, man. So, real quick, I got to tell a quick story. Never forgive myself, even though I was like 12 years old, 13 years old, whatever. Never forgive myself. Uh, I was watching the game, it was me. Our guy, Greg, who's also part of our three-man weave team out here and another buddy of ours, Chris. And so, as I said, largest fourth quarter comeback in playoff history, at least to that point. And like I said, I'm pretty sure it still stands. Uh, So get to the fourth quarter, scores something like 77 to 58, because that's just how the scores and those games went back heading into the fourth quarter. A little different now. But, you know, I had kind of given up on the game. It was just like, man, it's over. Like, you know, the playoffs happen in the spring. It's that nice spring weather outside. You got to take advantage. We, about? we talk about the weather on here. When it's crap, you know, you, you get that like 75% of the year. So you got to deal with this. It. So when it's 25%, you got to get out there and enjoy it. So me and my buddy are like, all right, we're going to go outside and play wiffle ball across the street. This is an abandoned uh, nursing home across the street from my house. Greg was like, nah, I got I to gotta stay here. I got to watch. So, we're like trying to convince him. We're like, all right, man, watch the end of the game. Come meet us afterwards. We're going to go start playing with a ball across the street. So, Greg stayed at my house with my grandma, who was our babysitter, eating cookies and brownies and cupcakes and watching the game with my grandma. I'm across the street playing with a ball with my buddy. Probably 20, 30 minutes later, I just hear this shrieking. I hear the door slam from across the street. And then I hear just, we won. We won. And then I look across, and Greg is running across the street, two hands in the air, triumphantly screaming at me and my buddy. And we're like, what? And so we run back across the street, sprint back across, and we see, like, some of the post-game interviews of, like, Twan and Pierce being interviewed. And to this day, I still kick myself that I missed that moment in live time. And it's one of the main clips I will go back and watch over and over again, of that team. But it's really a moment within that season of, you know, Paul Pierce getting up on the table, you know, getting the crowd going and that being like, you know, thinking we were a little bit closer to a championship than ultimately we were at that time. But it was just a moment for for Paul and for the Celtics that really ingrained them in my life. And so that's a moment I attribute to Paul Pierce's career and his legacy. And that's why it's my number two moment.
1: Yo, shout out Greg, man, for being there and just just uh, holding it down. Like been, a, a been a real on one like.
0: since day one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he, he was not having any, like, whistle ball, dude. You wanted to go play <laughs> whiffle ball? Like, nah, dude, I'm watching the basketball. Yeah, like, man. Yo, I'd be upset too, though, to be real. Like, if I'd gone outside and not, I would not be happy. And there's nothing like riding that kind of um, emotional train in real time. Like, once yeah. you know, you know, right, like, that, 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 um, that uncertainty and it, it, it's hard to replicate once it's done. So, uh, yo, Greg's a real one, man. Big shout yep. out Greg. I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Slam did like a did like um like a spread on that not long after the game, like a couple of weeks later. Because I, if I remember correctly, I remember buying that that, that Slam because I used to buy Slam a bunch because it, yeah. it games, right? And um, I'm pretty sure I remember reading about that game. In slam back in the day, I might be wrong. I've read the last,
0: yeah. We, we ended up losing the next three games, which <laughs> which uh, which lost the series. But ultimately, let's be real, the, the Lakers and Vintage Shaq were waiting around the other side. So yeah. may, may, maybe it was a good thing we didn't have to go through that.
1: <laughs> vintage Shaq, dude, Vintage Shaq was a beast. Prime, prime Vintage look, Shaq. That, that was the other thing as well. Like, once Vintage Shaq was in LA, a lot of the games we got fed was LA. Oh, of you know, course, um, Shaq
0: and Kobe. I mean, that that makes a lot of sense.
1: It's a, like uh, I really, really am upset that the internet didn't come around until sort of, like <laughs> I think I got lead past in like oh, like the end of O six, ready for the O seven season, like when broadband was real. Yeah, it might have been late. It might have been later than that. How old was I in O seven? I was I was twenty. Yeah, about O six, O seven. Man, so I missed a bunch, and I'm really upset about it. To be quite honest with you. But what you got
0: for number three, Adam? What's your What's your third yeah, one here? Yeah, I'm
1: digressing here. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it was you know, 2012. I think, I can't remember who it was against. I think it was Charlotte. And he passes Larry Bird for second on the all-time scoring list. Oh, I, I love, love this. The reason I remember it the most was because I, I'm always one for nostalgia, right? So you, you make it, you do this achievement. I'm like, man, that's dope. You make that achievement in the TD Garden. Now I'm like, yo, this is like... Thousands of people that are in attendance are going to be like, oh, I was there when Paul Pierce hit those. I think it was like what was it, fourteen, fifteen points to, to pass Bird on that game. Might have been a bit more. And um, like you're at, you're on your home court, dude. Like this is like you're looking up at Larry Bird's number in the rafters. Like yeah, dude, I've just surpassed you. There's one more guy to go in, and i top of the hill. So like that game for me, I remember watching that probably about two days after it had happened. Um. And I didn't understand that it, that game was a game where there was a record broke until I heard the announcers talking about it when my wife and family were like, oh, we've done this. That was when, for me, it was like, yo, this is dope, man. I was in the TV garden. I remember being where I usually sit, just at a desk in front of a computer, just with the, you know, when flat screens, computer monitors had just come out. So they were kind of like those computer monitors. was a big deal. Monitors yeah dude so I'm watching it there my headphones on just like I watch basketball now watching Paul Pierce like make a make history dude it's, uh, that's gotta be one of my top five moments for sure just more because I remember me getting hyped for it just like and then being like man I haven't like you know it's not like I've watched it's not like Tatum if Tatum did that now I've watched every bucket Tatum's ever made. Yeah. so I've rode that but I hadn't done that with Pierce, but I was just like, man, this is such a cool moment to be in the stadium, to, to be in the garden for. So that was kind of why I remember that.
0: Okay. So on top of that, let me go into mine because that kind of plays off of that a little bit because, because this next moment is a very specific moment for me. Um, it, it's not necessarily one that a lot of people are going to remember. And, and to be honest, and I don't know if you've ever had this, Adam, And, and let me ask you, have you ever had a moment where looking back, you're almost positive something happened, but you're not quite sure. And so you have this like, Little sense of doubt, and you need something to to verify that that your memory is actually working correctly. Have you ever had that happen
1: consistently? <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're familiar with this problem? Oh yeah, dude. When you like, like, dude, I've had I've had to text people and be like, did this really happen an hour ago? Like yeah. all the time, dude, like somewhat trivial as well. Like I might like, park my car and forget where i put my car. It happens all the time. So yeah, dude, I know what you're okay. talking about.
0: So, so there's this moment that I've thought about with, with Paul Pierce for a long time. I had to do some research today to make sure that before I came on air and actually said it, that it actually happened. Yeah, and I didn't, didn't make it up. It. Exactly. Because I, like, I couldn't, it, I had to like really dig in and think about it. And it's a it's a buzzer beater that Paul Pierce hit against the Portland Trailblazers on November 10th, 2004. Biggest reason I remember it, I was in the building. It's like the third or fourth game of the year. Uh, This is when the stretch of the Celtics started to be not so good again before we lead up to the to the KG Ray Allen Big Three formation. And so it's very early in the year. And I remember we had pretty good seats and I can't necessarily remember why probably because we weren't going to be that good, I think. Um, but we must've been with like some community group. Or something. I remember being at the game with my dad and Paul Pierce goes out of the game at one point, got like hit in the mouth and then comes back into the game and gets the ball on the left-hand side, you know, foul line extended that elbow area where he just lives. That's, you know, Doc Rivers was the coach. That was just final play of the game. Let's give it a Pierce on the, on the elbow. We're going to live and die with what happens here. This is one of the ones where he where he lived. You know, he he survived the moment, came back, hit the step back, nails a 17-footer or so, and then ends up getting on the table. Like I said, it was like the third or fourth game of the year. Paul Pierce does not care if it's a marathon or a sprint. He's living in the moment. My man's up on the on the table, you know, going nuts after this. I think we won, like, probably 30, 32 games all year. But uh, I just remember that moment, and I had to look it up, Adam, because – I can't find it anywhere on you. There's a buzzer beater that a Hall of Famer hit, and I can't find it anywhere. So I had to like rack my brain for like approximately what year, what time frame this happened. So it took me like 15 minutes to find it. November 10th, 2004, buzzer beater, Paul Pierce against the Blazers, fourth game of the year. I was in the building, so I can at least say I got to experience a Paul Pierce buzzer beater in person.
1: Yeah, I'm jealous, man. This isn't fair, dude. <laughs> No, I don't like this part. this This episode's making me more sad than happy. So <laughs> I, I I don't know how I feel, man. I mean, if you want to go like for one of those moments, like uh, it's a bit cliche, but um, I always talk about that championship game. That's game seven, where I think it was it forty one. The like
0: uh, versus LeBron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's on my list too. Of course, that one's iconic.
1: So what I remember from that isn't the performance, and it isn't the championship either. It's me. Sitting in my lounge at like three four a m drunk as hell on my own everyone like everyone probably in my entire street asleep, and I'm riding the wave because it's like it's one of the first seasons that I've managed to follow like I followed o seven all the way through and then I'd followed o a all the way through, so I was still very new to watching like a hundred odd games a year and um I remember sitting there and I remember watching I remember Pierce's game, but I remember when they when they won that game. Man, because I was drunk as well, I was so loud, dude. Like I woke up with my wife, I woke up with my neighbors. We got a noise complaint from the neighbors. They to the council, <laughs> and the council sent me a noise complaint, like a proper like cease and desist type of thing. Like I was loud, bro. Yeah. So I'm always I always remember that game just because of how much trouble it got me into a few days later. It.
0: I love it, man. So I'm gonna I'm gonna actually, I had that on my list as well um and just real quick side note our guy greg was actually in the building for that game To we'll talk about being lucky our guy was in the building for that game i wasn't with him well, that's a story for a different day but if greg you're listening you know that story you know that shame you'll you'll live with it forever but that's a different story but with that same game that game was so meaningful so impactful and so just much fun to watch that like three or so years later, I don't know if you remember this game. This was, I think it was the 2011 season, maybe 2011 or 2012. I can't remember. I was in college at the time. And the Celtics were on a, one of the TNT Thursday night games. And a bunch of me and my friends had got together to, to pregame by watching the Celtics. Magic, we were going to go hit the bars, go hit a party, whatever. And it was the game where the Celtics had this massive comeback. And at the end of the game, Craig Sager was interviewing KG, and KG was in one of his, like, madman, just, like, riffing off the top of his head type things, like, yo, Craig, you know, you ever been to a bar fight, man? You don't know nothing about a bar fight. Ask Charles Barkley, He have been to a bar fight, man. You don't know nothing about a bar fight. That was a bar fight. And, like, Craig Sager's like, all I asked you was, like, thoughts on the game or something. You know, that's, like, a very mundane question, and KG is, like, eventually circles back, like, I'm sorry, Craig, what was your question? And so... <laughs>
1: Please do another kaiji <laughs>
0: you haven't been in a bar fight? What you know about a bar fight, Craig? <laughs> um, and so and so that game had us all so hyped. Like, we were all very similar to you, man. We, we had been drinking, like, drinking drinking some Bush Lights, some Rolling Rocks, whatever the, the crap beer was that we were drinking at the time. We were just, like, hyped up. And then before we even got a chance to leave the house, we happened to see that on – I think it was, like, an NBA TV replay was happening right after that game – of that 08 Paul Pierce-LeBron showdown, we scrapped the bar idea. We we brought out some more beers, brought out a little bit of probably like some some crappy plastic bottle vodka, and the night turned into re-watching LeBron versus Paul Pierce in the 08 Game 7 Eastern Conference semifinals. And to this day, it's one of my favorite moments in college that I had. One of my favorite nights, bar none, was watching – two Celtics games back-to-back, one of which was a replay. And it's, yeah,
1: it's it's one of my favorite moments of all time. So what you could say is Paul Pierce stopped you from going out and getting into a bar fight.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Paul Pierce was my savior that night.
1: (laughs) If you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see my reaction to that (laughs) KG impression. I had tears coming out of my eyes. It was such a good impression, dude. still going. Oh, man, that proper light shit. You ever been to a bar fight, Adam? What you know about a bar fight? I know they hurt a lot. Oh, yeah. man. That made me laugh so much. I needed that, man. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Think- You're welcome, man. <laughs>
0: what else you got for us? What other,
1: that, yeah. We're on a roll now. What else we got for Paul? Yeah, so I've got the... um. If I want to like, stick with the nostalgia for a hot minute, like a, this isn't really like a Paul Pierce in Boston moment, but it's a Paul Pierce and Boston moment. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Uh, I think that like, you know, I could I could go here with... um. Pierce draining a free in LeBron's face, you know what I mean? To take, go up 3-2 in the final, in the, it's um, on my I list. Finals. I can go with that. But what I want to go with instead is I want to go with the Paul Pierce standing ovation from the Celtics crowd when it last came into the TD garden with the Wizards. I think that, was it the Wizards? No, the Clippers. The Clippers. You see it's how the I Clippers. Got it was Michael Jordan with the wizards. See, see, but um, that that game, like that standing ovation. I remember talking to Brendan. You know Brendan. Like, yeah, our guy. Yeah, I was talking to Brendan after that game, and he was like, "Dude, I, like um, sorry Brendan for this bro. He was like, uh, "I shed a tear, dude." I was like, "Man, I'm like, I can't I can't shed tears for it, man." But I, I got I got all up I got all up in the feels, you know. Like dude, yeah, you like this guy like meant the world to Boston. Like growing up as a Celtics fan from far away, I knew Pierce was great. I've read about Pierce a bunch before I could watch him consistently. Then when I could, I'd make sure I saw every game he played. Like he was he was the Celtics through and through, dude. So to see him get love even when he basically could barely walk anymore on the court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, and he gets put onto gets put onto the game for a few minutes and the Celtics effectively let him score. And then the whole crowd's going wild. Like, uh, that memory for me is just, Boston might be a really tough city to play sports in, but when they love you, they love you. They love you. You're a legend for life. And I think that was what kind of really got to me. Like, this dude's been gone for a few years at this point, you know. He's been to Brooklyn, failed at Brooklyn, now he's in LA. He's on his, like, he's doing his, like, goodbye tour around the league. the Last game in Boston. No one cares that he hasn't been there for a few years. All they want to do is show him love. And look. so that's always gonna be a memory that I
0: remember now. Yeah, dude what an awesome moment. I, I remember where I was watching that moment. It was uh it was a Sunday matinee because it was right before the Patriots and Falcons played in the Super Bowl in that in that epic uh twenty eight to three comeback. And I was watching it with my buddy from Boston. Um we were actually in Houston for that Super Bowl and so we're watching it literally before before we're going to the game. And I remember we we were like we were like on the edge of our – we were even on the edge of our seat. We were standing up. We were standing up watching the game like waiting for Paul Pierce to get in. And you know, as soon as Paul Pierce got that three up. It was only three points he had in that game by the way. As soon as he got that three up and the crowd just lost it. Yo, know, I have never been so happy to see an opponent score a basket on the Celtics. Yeah, dude. It was, it was an unreal, just beautiful moment.
1: And it's the way that the Celtics basically just all stepped off of him and was just like, dude, it's an open gym free. And we're going to let yeah. you shoot these until you make one. And, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. I mean, because they did, yeah. everyone just stepped off him, like, just, just score the ball, dude. Like, like this is your moment. Like, sometimes you're like, I like that when even in the middle of the game, you're like, yo, this is more important than the scoreline yeah. for a hot second. We can all be, put our competitiveness aside. Get your bucket, have your your moment with the fans because you deserve it. And I like that because it was that one last time for mm-hmm. him to to get that roar from the TD. He yeah. really should have like jumped up and started beating on his chest on the table. Just that one <laughs> last time, it would have been fitting. But yeah, dude, uh, I love that memory. I think that was one of my favorite Paul Pierce moments.
0: Okay, I think I got I got one more for us here. Then uh, I think that will that will probably do it for us here. But one more that I feel like we have to have to talk about. We got to talk about Poopgate gate in the wheelchair game. You know what I'm talking about when I say Poopgate, Adam?
1: Yeah, yeah. When he walked down me, i the been pooping about poop <laughs> the so gate. I mean, we oh, have to just... talk
0: about it. It's game one, NBA finals. And, you know, you talked about it with there's nothing like in the moment riding that, that wave of emotion. And it's what really turns sports fans into addicts is when you're going through these emotions. And so you think about this, you know, I mentioned before growing up in the 90s, the Celtics stunk. Paul Pierce coming to this franchise is what gave us like a beacon of hope, gave us our generation's Larry Bird to hang on to. Like, this is our guy. This is the guy that we're riding. And there's been a lot of ups and downs. You know, there was a really early peak with that 01 02 conference finals appearance. And then it kind of tailed off. Tuan got traded. There were some really dark days. The big three comes in. Everything's rejuvenated. It's this new culture, this new brand, this new identity. We end up finally making the finals with our guy. Our guy, Paul, has led a team to the finals, and it's against the Lakers. Beat L.A. Beat L.A. One of the coolest chance, coolest rivalries that there is in sports. It's you know two teams from different coasts that are rivals. Like That's just insane. Every other rivalry is regional. This is across the coast, man. It's the coolest thing there is uh, in, in, in U.S. sports for, for rivalries, for my money. And so this is what's set up. Game one. And, you know, you get to this moment. I think it was early in the second half, if I'm remembering correctly. I'm, I'm not 100% on that. But, you know, Paul Pierce goes down. And the first thought that goes through your head is you've got to be kidding me. Like, after all this, this is what's going to happen. Game one. Game one. Paul's going to go down. And we got to find a way to survive Kobe with, you know, obviously we lo- love KG, Ray Allen, you know, whatever. Like, like. The two of them don't have that same connection yet, even though Cage, you will eventually have that connection. At that moment in time, Paul Pierce is that linchpin to the Boston, you know, sports fan community that you're talking about, you know. And so when he goes down, it's just pure devastation. I think it was like Scal and Leon Poe are are carrying him to the to the locker room, and you're just you're a mess in your mind. You're going through all the emotions of like what's going to happen, and uh, you know they put him in the wheelchair, and then you know a couple minutes later. Dude comes back, knocks down two threes, including an and one bank in the garden. Probably the loudest, other than maybe when they they finished off the championship. I've ever heard it was after those two Paul Pierce made threes, and then of course you just add in the the historic <laughs> the historic rumor that he actually just pooped his pants and he had to go to the bathroom, which he kind of confirmed a couple years ago. So I guess he did just have to go to the bathroom. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what's true and what he's just playing up for for the sake of the story, um, but. That moment combined with its lasting legacy of the hilarious poop rumor is just it's an all time Paul Pierce moment and I really hope in his Hall of Fame speech on Saturday he addresses it in some way. I don't know if he will,
1: but I hope he does. Do you know what though? I remember watching an interview. It was not with Pierce, I don't know who he is with now. But apparently that's like a really normal thing that these guys like, you know, sometimes a bit get so take injuries injury. to go to the bathroom? Or sometimes it just happens a little bit while they're playing because there's so you're using so much athletic ability and there's so much adrenaline and physical exertion that sometimes it just happens, dude. Um, Squeaks out, I can see that. Apparently, it's like a couple of times per week in games across the NBA. Like it's very, very common. Uh, It just so happens. doesn't doesn't
0: help with the Celtics wearing the white shorts.
1: That was exactly what I was about to say. (laughs) It just so happens that the Celtics wear the worst colour when you're trying to hide that stuff because uh, any little speck is showing straight up here. (laughs) Oh, man. But it's funny, nonetheless, man. And it is one of the most iconic Paul Pierce moments just to wield the way to go. Sometimes, you know, you can get belly cramps if you really need to go. The wheelchair may have been super necessary, to to quote Jorge Masvidal, like it was super
0: necessary. (laughs) Hey, man, sometimes you got to go, you got to go. But you know what? It's a a fantastic story. And like I said, the, the gardens, you know, how loud it got after he hit those two threes when he came back. Like, you knew that game one was a wrap. As soon as those shots went in the way the garden was, game. You know, like circling back to Vince Carter, it's over. It's
1: over. <laughs> I think we're going to leave it there just on that I want one more so guys I gave everybody the please subscribe blah 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 at the beginning so I'm just going to let Will do that Vince I thing one more time and I hope you guys guys and girls all have a great weekend enjoy whatever you're doing don't do anything I wouldn't do which means you can do pretty much anything you want to do Will, can we have one more Vince Carter, um, Vince Carter impression, please?
0: Yeah, everybody, go have yourself a good weekend. Shout out to The Truth, Paul Pierce, going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, respect to you, our king. And for this podcast, it's over. I ain't
1: disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative.